Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Culture Climate San Diego, where we discuss the latest in news, politics, arts, and entertainment taking place right here in America's finest city. I am your host, Lars Renteria, and man, I gotta I gotta start this show with with so much thanks. The love, the love that was received after our first episode. I mean, we're talking from text messages to Facebook. Instagram, you name it. I had people I hadn't spoken to in years hitting me up online. I had I, everyone, uh, friends and family, uh, thank you so much for all the support. Thank you for the, the critiques. Thank you for pointing out all of my vocal fillers. That's that's always fun, but I really appreciate it. It was, it was good. People were telling me what they liked about the show, what they wanted to hear more of, and I certainly want to give you more of that. So the bar has been set pretty high. I want to keep you all entertained. I want to keep you all informed. So we're going to keep it going. And we're not going to spend as much time getting into it this this episode as we did last. We're going to we're going to jump right into it. It was a good week. I had a great week. Josh, good week for you? Yes. Harv, how was your week? Good? Yeah, you know, we I just got back. I'm still a little I'm pumped not only from the love of the last episode. I'm 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 still kind of riding this high. Just got back from doing some wine tasting down in Mexico. Now, for those of you who uh, like to drink, period. If you like the vino, then I, I I genuinely recommend that you give the the Valle de Guadalupe wine tours a shot. It is essentially uh, uh, the Mexico's version of, of Temecula, if you will. I wouldn't put it up there in like Napa Valley range, but it's definitely their version of Temecula. Some really easy ways. It only takes you about an hour south to get there. Some really good wines, beautiful countryside, it's a lot of fun. If you're looking for some good wine, looking for a good time, don't be scared. Just tell your, tell your friends and family. I don't want people to be scared to go down south. Cross the border. Experience the culture. That's my little public service announcement for the day. All right? It's cheap. It's fun. And you can get drunk. And there's good wine. Anyway. All right. So without that, though, good week. Let's keep it rolling. Josh, let's get right to it. All right. So we're going to get right into this. Now, after our last show, which was obviously heavily political, in nature, kind of giving you the rundown. We're we're going to continue that theme into this show, and I'm going to tell you why. Okay, the it, it's come to my attention that most of you, I'm going to say most of us, don't know as much as we should about the political process in this country and in this state. We touched on that beforehand, so I wanted to kind of give you a little rundown and go backwards because, uh, in order to understand this episode and as we move forward, what the goal of this show is going to be. You need to understand what's actually taking place in the country right now. First and foremost, for those of you who did not know, this election that just took place was a primary election, meaning it wasn't for brass tacks. This wasn't the last round of the fight. Think of it as uh, the playoffs. This was like the, the, the conference round of the playoffs. Now we're going to the finals. And the finals take place November. All right. Early November is when the finals take place. And a lot of these elections that we just voted on, you're going to see these people running again. So essentially the primaries were to determine who gets to run off in November. Okay. And there's a lot of big races going on. Now, why is it important? Now, and lots of people are saying, lots of political experts are saying they, they always hype up every election, especially these midterm elections called midterms because it takes place in the middle of the president's term, the four year term of the president. Now, this particular election is being hyped up as one of the biggest elections of all time in United States history. Why? 
because considering the current political climate, what what's going on right now is the you have a, a Republican president, the House of Representatives has a majority of Republicans, and the U.S. Senate has a House or a Senate has a majority of Republicans. So, what does this all mean? We're going to give you a quick little breakdown, okay? And I don't want you to fall asleep. I see you. Don't fall asleep. Pay attention. Do not skip ahead or change the channel. This is important. And and please bear with me. So let's just give you a quick little high level overview as to what this all means and how it works. So the United States Congress is broken up into two different houses, right? The House of Representatives and the Senate. Okay. This is where it gets important. Stay with me. Stay with me. We're not going to be long. Now, the major power of the House of Representatives is to pass federal legislation that affects the entire country, although its bills must also be passed by the Senate and further agreed to by the U.S. president before becoming law. All right? So the, the House passes legislation, gets approved by the Senate, signed by the president, becomes law. Now, each state is represented in the House by a proportion of its, or excuse me, in proportion to its population. It's entitled to at least one representative, but in this case, since it's based on population, California, which is the most populous state in the union, has a whopping 53 representatives, okay? Now, this is important because in November, what is happening is the Democrats in this country have an opportunity to reclaim control of the House of Representatives. I'll tell you why that matters in a second, okay? Currently... The breakdown, or at least the, the, the breakdown is, is that the Democrats need to flip 24 seats in the House of Representatives that are currently under Republican control. As you can tell, as you can imagine in this country, thanks to our president, there is a lot of heat right now and a lot of uh, polarization, if you will. People feel very strongly about leaning blue, leaning red, leaning left, leaning right. And they want to very much uh, uh, fight and yell and scream their opinions, and and it's not getting a, not getting a lot done. But it's important that we understand what's happening. So in this case, twenty four of these house seats are con are up for grabs, if you will. Okay, of those twenty four, twenty five house twenty five seats are what's in considered democratic territory. Okay, now all of the house seats are up for election in November. There's 435 of them. All of them are for up for grabs. Of that 435, only 48 of them are considered competitive. And again, of those 48, the Democrats only need to reclaim 24 in order to take control of the House of Representatives. Now, uh, this is a unique time because there's a lot going on, obviously. I don't know if you want to say because of the president, but there have been an unusually high number of Republicans who have chosen not to run again for re-election in November. 30-plus, I think it's like 33 Republicans have chosen just not even to run. They're, they're, they're bowing out. They're ducking out. Okay? That's a lot more than usual. Now, now that we're, we're talking about why it's important or why the, the, it's important to Democrats that they have the ability to uh, take control over the House, what does it matter to you, you might be asking? What do I care if Democrats or Republicans control the House of Representatives. Well, for those of you who might hate Donald Trump, there's a lot of you out there. 
he, he's horrible. Get his ass out. Impeach the president, not my president. Yeah, that's great. I'm, I hope you continue going to rallies and screaming and letting your voice be heard. But let's 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 face it here. In the end, you want to really be heard. You want to really affect change. When you have to go vote for the people that are going to vote for, in this case, impeachment. So for those of you who, let's say you want Donald Trump out of office, how does that actually happen? Okay, what do, how does impeachment actually take place? Pretty simple. The Reader's Digest version, impeachment is a two-step process, okay? The House of Representatives are the ones that have to uh, file articles of impeachment against the president. And in order to do that, they only need a simple majority vote, okay? So of all the seats, of all 435 seats, if they get a simple majority vote, half plus one, then the articles of impeachment are then filed and moved forward. After that, the Senate acts as judge and jury. They read the articles of impeachment, and then they decide whether or not to actually impeach the president. So for those of you who are wondering, why is it important that the Democrats take control of the House of Representatives? That's probably one of the biggest reasons right now, because I'll tell you right now, regardless of what this man does, uh, hookers, uh, deporting Mexicans, going crazy, saying whatever the hell he wants on Twitter and social media and on the news, lying to the entire world, just brazenly lying. It's it, it's kind of clear now that this Republican House is never going to file articles of impeachment against him. We'll see how this whole Russia thing pans out. But in the end, there's no guaranteeing that they will even try to impeach the man. And then it would still have to pass the Senate. So step one of that is having elected officials in these positions that would actually be in favor of doing so. And well, there you have it. I mean, I, I don't know what else to say about that. So it's important, okay? It's important because here, bringing it all the way back home, these seats that we're talking about, two of them up for grabs here within San Diego County. So you're going to hear these names. These are highly contested seats. As a result of all of this, as a result of the severity or the importance of what's going on in November, you're going to be seeing a marketing campaign throughout this country that is like second to none. You thought the flyers and the text messages and the emails were bad in June? Oh, man, just wait until we start getting to October, November. It's going to get nasty. The money is going to start flowing from uh, uh, PACs, uh, political action committees, from millionaires and celebrities. They're going to start dumping in millions of dollars in social media campaigns and newspaper ads and television ads just to convince you that the opponent is the son of Satan himself, that it's some evil person who's trying to trying to kill your families and, and, and is a, a, just a, a reckless individual. It's going to be a wild time. You need to, one, do your research, okay? I am here mainly to, to, to hopefully spark your interest enough so that you go online, go to different sources, talk to educated people who know a lot about politics, okay? I'm not trolling you again. I'm not trying to tell you which way to vote, one way or the other. Okay, I think I know my people. I think I know my listening audience. And if you're still listening to me right now, then you kind of get where I might lean on this show. But in the end, don't trust me. Like I said it last time, don't trust me. I'm not the expert. I'm not the man. I'm simply the man who's trying to get you engaged and hope that you care a little bit. So we'll talk about some of those important congressional races coming on here. But first and foremost, big one in California that we will start with is in November we get to elect a new governor of the great state of California. Now, this is huge.
for all of us, especially even here in San Diego, because California is seen a bit as uh, the leading uh, state, the state leading the resistance against Trump, if you will. Right now, our current governor, Jerry Brown, he's kind of uh, just full of piss and vinegar and is screaming and challenging Trump to his face. So it's just he's just an old man who's been around for years and he's angry and he's he's really pushing this administration and uh, pushing that whole sanctuary city argument and things of that nature. So he he's on his way out. And now we have a choice. Now, uh, these primaries that we just went through in June were interesting and kind of scary for a bunch of reasons. But California is unique in the way we vote, okay? We're unique because we have what's called a jungle primary in that everybody runs against everybody, okay? It's an all-for-one. It's a free-for-all. You can have Democrats running against Democrats, Republicans running against Republicans. It's just one big, everyone's thrown into one big pot, and then they all get to battle straight up with each other. This was dangerous because you always run the risk. What the Democrats were scared of is that you would have two really good Democratic candidates running that would split the vote, and then as a result, the most popular Republican would get all of the Republican votes and would hence move on to November past the two Democrats who were fighting amongst each other. We're kind of lucky that didn't happen. All of our Democratic, uh, the, the Democratic uh, uh, officials, if you will, they, they kind of, the ones that were the most popular, ended up getting the majority of the votes. And so now in November, for virtually every race, we have a Democrat versus a Republican straight up. So now in November, it's more of a traditional kind of election. It's something you might see, something that's more familiar to you. I think there's a better, Josh, do you have a better way of, of describing what the November election is really going to feel like when you just have that, that, that one man mano a mano with the other man or woman? What, what's a good way to describe it? Josh, you, you said you had something for me. What do you, how would you put it? Now when men get to fighting, it happens here. And it finishes here. Two men enter, one man leaves. I like it. I like it. He 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 took it back to the Thunderdome. I like that. All we need now is, is Master Blaster and Tina Turner to come in, start screaming. I wish we could put these two candidates in a big dome. And see what they're made of. Anyway, so in this case, we do have two. It could be it could be a woman too, but that, so the two men enter isn't appropriate. But in this case, it is two men. We have two men going for it now. The first being our lieutenant governor, Gavin Newsom. Now, Gavin, as you would imagine, is a Democrat. He's worked with Jerry Brown, and he is. Let's face, it, he's the favorite. Okay. Uh, the second is the upcoming the the up and coming now John Cox. Now, John Cox does have a story. He's from San Diego. He's an attorney from San Diego. Uh, and he is, as you would imagine, a pretty staunch Republican. So we'll go quickly. I want you to hear what both had to say uh, after the primary and when they both came out one and two respectively. Let's start with Gavin. What was Gavin's response after this round of election? We're a state where we don't criminalize diversity. We celebrate diversity. <laughs> A state where we don't obstruct justice, we demand justice for everybody. Where we don't regulate a, a woman's body more than we regulate assault weapons out on our streets. 
And where we invest in children, Jeff Sessions, invest in children where we don't tear them from the loving arms of their mothers and their fathers. We don't do that. We don't do that. We don't we don't tear babies away from the arms of their mothers. Good point. Well, we try not to. If you do, if you do have to tear a baby away from his mother, make sure it's only because they're so cute that you just want to eat them all up and give them kisses. That's fine. That in that case it's okay. But you gotta give them back. All right, so that's Gavin. Gavin's a, a fiery dude, obviously. He was raised by Jerry Brown. And uh he's kind of got this uh Kind of cool, uh, almost like slick back Matthew McConaughey thing going on. So he, he for the most part, he's, he's a pretty likable guy. Now, on the opposite side now, not to say he's not likable, but on the opposite end of the political spectrum, we have John Cox. So let's hear what uh, his opponent, the new and fired up John Cox, had to say after uh, the votes here at his press conference. What did John Cox have to say for himself? Mr. Mr. Newsom, Mr. Newsom made it clear that he wanted to, to run against me instead of another Democrat. Well, as I told him in San Jose at the debate, be careful, Mr. Newsom, be careful what you wish for. Mr. Newsom and his corrupt cronies made, uh, they did a bunch of ads touting their opposition to the president. Well, let's send him the very first message, and that is it wasn't Donald Trump who made California the highest tax state in the country. It was Gavin Newsom and the Democrats. Well, they're all fired up, aren't they? Now, <laughs> read into this what you may. But it's funny when you watch these videos and you see the the crowds that they have like behind them and at their events. Gavin's crowd, as you would expect, a little younger, a little more uh, diverse, if you will. Lots of just different uh, ethnic groups there representing. And I'm sorry, but John Cox rally when you watch this video, man, it 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 looks like a straight up like an AARP convention or something. It looks like I'm I'm, I'm looking at these people and you could just tell like. Like there was a Matlock marathon going on or something. They were they all showed up to watch Murder She Wrote, and they're like, "Let's go, wrap it up." It's it's already five thirty p.m. and I haven't had my dinner yet. <laughs> they're all fired up, but good for them. Um, it was it was close. I'm not going to make this sound like it wasn't a close race. Gavin didn't blow his socks off, but there's an important thing to remember across the country, and particularly here in California, and that's uh, Democrats in general. Uh, how do I put this? Uh, they don't vote. They don't. I don't know why. You, they don't show up, liberals in general. They don't show up. They don't show up for major elections, much less primary elections. So it was a close race. That being said, we haven't elected a Republican governor in California since our beloved Arnold Schwarzenegger, who's now more likable now that he's not in office. Uh, but in the end, we haven't had one that was like 2002, haven't voted for a Republican governor. And uh, in the end, the person who finished third was the former mayor of Los Angeles, who was a de who's a Democrat as well. And he got about 17 percent of the vote. So even though this particular race was was somewhat close, uh, I think Gavin finished off somewhere around 33 percent of the vote. John Cox got about 26 percent of the vote. If you assume that those Democrats who voted for uh, the, the third place contender, the mayor of Los Angeles, uh, will now vote for Gavin, well, then um, it shouldn't be that close of a race. But very important. 
Put it on your radars. I want you guys to keep talking about this. Keep spreading the word because governor obviously huge shapes our, our shapes our country, shapes our state for certain, and even definitely affects the city of San Diego. So keep that race in mind. Now, bringing it back home to the home front here to San Diego. Remember all those congressional seats that I was telling you about, right? The the House of Representatives and how important it is. So those seats that need to be flipped in order to turn the House of Representatives for the Democratic uh, to ha- for the Democrats to have control. How many did I say? Pop quiz, how many do they need to win? 24. That's correct. They needed to win. Good job. Good job, Josh. Josh knew it. Harvey Harvey didn't he's not even paying attention. So 24 seats they need to control. Now, of those 24, two of them up for grabs here in San Diego County, okay? One of which is really close. The other, not so much. Do we give up on the other one? No, we're not going to give up. But we are going to focus more this episode on the one that is close and the one that's very important. So this would be the 49th district, okay? The 49th district here in San Diego. Now, the 49th district... It, it's it's pretty big. You got to have to kind of pull up these district maps to really see like where they uh, where they start and where they finish. All right, the 49th is is more North County, but it starts right about La Jolla Village Drive. You know where that uh, you know where that rock bottom brewery is on La Jolla Village Drive, Harvey. You you partied there a bunch of times. Harvey knows that rock bottom brewery right on the corner of La Jolla Village Drive by UCSD. That's like the the border of the 49th district. Now it goes as far north. As like Dana Point, uh, San Juan Capistrano, it goes up to that area. It goes as far east as like Fallbrook, Fallbrook Vista, and almost out to Escondido. But it's a weird shape. It's not a square. It's not even close to a square. It's 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 all over the place. It goes east and it comes back inland. This is the 49th district. Now, even if you don't live there, I don't want to hear it. Don't tell me this is, it doesn't matter to you because you don't live there. It matters because we need to spread the word. You know people who know people who live in these areas. You need to make sure that they know and that they vote. So in this particular race, we are going to see a Republican by the name of Diane Harkey uh, go up against Mike Levin. Now, um, it should be noted that this was very, very close in that Diane Harkey got 26% of the vote abouts, uh, over 28,000. And this is as of uh, probably a, a day or two ago. We're still waiting on a lot of mail-in ballots to be counted. But for the most part, you could assume that that's it. Now, Mike Levin... He came in second place with 17% of the vote, okay? Roughly 19,000 votes. So 28,000 to 19,000 votes. You might think, oh, well, she she beat the brakes off of him. It's not even going to be close. But that being said, Mike Levin barely won the nomination from three other, excuse me, two other Democrats that were running as well. So you had Diane Harkey with 26% of the vote, and then the following three candidates were all Democrats, and they took 17%, 15%, 13% respectively, and Mike Levin ended up being on top. So it shows that if you, again, factor in or, or consider that perhaps uh, all of those people who voted for Mike Levin will, or, or voted for the other Democratic opponents will now be switching their vote to Mike Levin, this race gets a lot closer. Now, this is the old con- uh, congressional seat held by a guy by the name of Daryl Issa, who we won't even get into. You've probably heard a lot about his name. Google it. Go look up Daryl Issa, and uh, you'll learn a lot about that. He's on his way out. Now it comes down 
to Harkey versus Levin. We'll see how that pans out. We're going to, again, get more into depth with these races as they go. But again, very important for you to know this is going to be close. So if you're one of those that you want to see the Democrats take control of the House of Representatives, then Mike Levin is your guy. And you got to go spread the word that Mike Levin is your guy. Okay. And now as a result, you're going to see a lot of information coming your way, flyers, emails, text messages telling you that Mike Levin is essentially the devil. Okay. They're going to find a way to pitch it hard. You're going to see a lot of that. So just brace yourselves. Okay. Moving on. Also have a big race in the 50th district. Okay. 50th district, a little tougher little tougher to talk about, okay? You have uh, an incumbent Republican by the name of Duncan Hunter, okay? And these these primaries that we were just going through, uh, interesting rule, uh, had someone, had a candidate actually gotten more than 50% of the vote, they wouldn't even have to run in November. And lots of people thought that this 50th district, that Duncan Hunter, the Republican, that he had such a lock on it that no one would even come close and that he wouldn't even have to run in November. Turns out, that Duncan Hunter got 49% of the vote. So he was almost there, man. A couple more thousand votes, he would have gotten it. Uh, in the end, uh, he's going against a guy by the name of Amar Kampanajar, a uh, younger guy, um, obviously more of an ethnic last name. You could imagine that it doesn't go over well in what is primarily a Republican district. So a uh, little bit about both of them. Obviously, Duncan Hunter, his father was a Republican House of Representatives for years, right, from 81 to 09. So he's kind of a legacy, uh, not only here in the county, but he's a he, he's a legacy politician. Amar is an ex-Obama official. He used to work for the Obama campaign. So, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be tough sledding. But that being said, Duncan Hunter was under federal engagement, is under federal investigation. So uh, we'll see if, if that dirt, if more dirt kind of gets uncovered there and, and what comes up from that. Uh, so keep an eye on that race, too. Don't give up on that 49th. 49th District, main takeaways, 50th District. Those are the two congressional races that are going to go a big way to shaping where the state is headed, where the country is headed. Moving on, county supervisor. All right, now we're going to really spend some time in the future focusing on these county supervisors race. I'm going to do my best, keep this episode short as a teaser for future episodes to come. I just want you to get some general takeaways and start remembering who these names are and who's going up against who. So county supervisors, remember, we, all five of our county supervisors, all Republicans, we talked about that last episode, okay? We're trying to get, or they, the Democrats, are trying to get uh, at least one in there, at least one Democrat in there to break it up a little bit. The first one, little less competitive, again, District 5, guy Republican by the name of Jim Desmond, got 45% of the vote, going up against who is most likely going to be, still counting some votes, gal by the name of Michelle Gomez, who only got 22% of the vote. Not as highly contested, but that's going to be happening. And then the big one that most people, these are names that most of you will know, the big one is District 4 County Supervisor. District 4 County Supervisor. We're going to have a big one here. Nathan Fletcher going up against Bonnie Dumanis. You might recognize Bonnie's name. Why? Because that's right. She was our former district attorney who handed the reins off to our new district attorney, Stummer Steffen, who won quite handily this past election. Bonnie Dumanis is going up against Nathan Fletcher. Bonnie has a lot of political clout. She uh, has been in this city for many, many years, and her role as district attorney has uh, 
given her a lot of credibility, quite frankly. Uh, people know her, and yeah, was she involved in a lot of controversy over the years and different things? Yeah, but people still know the name, and they trust Bonnie. Nathan, interesting story with Nathan. Nathan, uh, when you think Nathan Fletcher, think the, uh, he, what's a good way to describe it? Nathan is the, is the Tyrion Lannister of politics, all right? He is, he is the Tyrion Lannister of politics, meaning you like him. We all love Tyrion. And not to say that 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 Nathan is a is a dwarf or anything like that. He's not. He's an average sized man. But he he used to roll uh, with the Lannisters. He used to roll with House Lannister, right? And then he kind of went uh, nobody. He was he was a bit of a nomad for a while, cruising around with uh, with Jorah and such. And then now he he rolls with House Targaryen. All right, you get me? Do you, do you guys get all that? So what does that mean for those of you who don't watch Game of Thrones? What does that mean? It means that Nathan Fletcher once upon a time was a Republican. And then he ran for mayor, and when he did, he cast off his Republican ways, and he ran as an independent. And then years later, he ran for mayor again. This time, he said he's now a Democrat. So now Nathan Fletcher running as county supervisor as a Democrat, okay? There's, you could imagine, the, the amount of fodder that the Republicans can throw at this guy is, is explains himself. You used to roll with us, homie. You used to be part of this set. And now you're trying to roll with them. So, of course, they just bash all over this guy, right? And they've been doing it for years. He's kind of used to it at this point. When you ask Nathan Fletcher as to why he switched parties, he says, quite frankly, quite frankly, that he grew up. He says that it's a maturity thing. I grew up, man. I outgrew the Republican Party. They don't see my way. Now, Nathan Fletcher is a, is a, is a former Marine. He's a pretty likable guy. Uh, much like Tyrion Lannister, if you ask me, he always kind of looks like he just got done kind of throwing back a few beers, like he just kind of like he just got done drinking. But he does have uh, something about him that I think is kind of likable. Let's listen to what he said here. They had asked Nathan after this most recent election, why do you think he have a chance? And uh, this was a, a little part of his response. We had it in November. We have a county board that voted to spend San Diego's tax dollars supporting Donald Trump's agenda in San Diego. They're not spending those, those dollars in the neighborhoods. And so we want to see a fundamental change in the approach and the mission and the vision and the direction of the county. I can dig that. I can dig that. I think most of us can. Okay. Uh, uh, let's see. Now, Miss, Mrs. Dumanis, Bonnie, what do you have to say? My top issue has been homelessness and also housing, housing affordability, because they're part of the same crisis that exists right now. So I want to put money into having $100 million per year go towards affordable housing as loans, because they can leverage that for up to $400 million per year, and we'll be able to house uh, you know, those that are either on the street or low income about 1000 a year. It's a good message, Bonnie. Good way to start. Homelessness in this city, a big, big deal, something we will continue to talk about uh, in future episodes. And that being said, we're going to have a lot more future breakdown on all of these. Big takeaways for the episode. Again, the vote matters, man. Get out there. Tell your friends. Tell your people. We're headed to November. We got to start getting excited now, getting involved now. If you know people who don't care about voting, don't care about politics, Get them involved, get excited, start realizing that these elections matter. These are the elections that we can actually affect and control here in our own city. Take some pride, make some decisions and step up, ask questions, do the research, ask your friends, ask me, email me, Twitter, Facebook, you name it. 
Uh, let us know if you have any interest on the sh- uh, on, on being part of this show. We would always like to get people in here for, for interviews, you name it. We've got a lot coming in the future. I want to keep this episode short because I promised a lot of people these were going to be shorter, more digestible episodes. So that's it for this week. One last thing on the way out. I would be remiss. I have to mention, obviously, hot topic, national news, global news this week were the high-profile celebrity deaths that had occurred in this past week. Kate Spade, Anthony Bourdain, both uh, both uh, uh, victims of, of suicide. Important to note, take these Take a look at your friends and family. Take a look at yourself, okay? Important for everyone to know. Suicide is preventable. Uh, people out there, they need they need help. Be a friend. Love. Care about your friends and family. Ask if people are okay. Be nice to one another. Please. Let, I'm, I'm, I'm mean enough for all of us. Be nice to one another. Love each other. If you need information, wanted to make sure you guys have this, go to the website suicidepreventionlifeline.org suicidepreventionlifeline.org a lot of great resources out there let you know how to help people who you think might be in crisis the questions to ask the things that you can do to maybe help save someone's life if there's any doubt if you're not sure take a second talk to people don't be shy get to know your friends and family even if it seems like they are okay they think that everything's fine they're acting like they're fine you think they're fine if you're not sure you get any inkling dig into it take care of each other i'm lars renteria thank you as always again joshua harvey it was a great show again we're excited to see you uh next time thank you very much for listening this has been culture climate san diego see you next time